Good morning, everybody. For me, it's an honor to be able to speak to you this morning. We want to, first of all, thank John and Dawn for allowing us to be here. Um, it's all because of relationship. I believe that God has given us something in common, and that is his love. And uh, I want to thank God for all the other um, partners and brothers and sisters who are joined with us in this network. We want to thank God, first of all, it's because of we are connected to him through his son. And it is through Jesus Christ that we are all connected. And uh, I want to thank God, it's now about 28 years plus since we have been in relationship when John was first sent by this church after hearing a word from the Lord which says it's time to pour all the oil and this church was able to release John and a group of uh, men some other men, a team of men with him and were able to come through the islands, I think the first place he was called to go was Guyana and from there he connected with somebody and that person that he connected with came to the uh, he was from Dominica, and uh, through that, he introduced him to Dominica. And that person came to visit me one time. I just started the church, and he said to me, I have some friends I would like you to meet. And uh, through that, we were able to connect with John in 1987. And uh, from that time, um, John has been very instrumental in, first of all, um, helping me to understand uh, purpose, understand what it is to build a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not that I didn't have a relationship with him, but it helps to give me an understanding of what it is. And I want to thank him for what he did. Most times, the relationship that I had where people would look forward to come to the church, maybe to preach for one week, to do crusades and so on. But John never called to say, well, I want you to set up a crusade for me. He would call to find out exactly what's going on with you. And most times he was engaged to go to another country. But in the space of time, he would also make sure he visited St. Martin. I am not the only person who he has built relationship to on St. Martin. As you all could remember, we have Norma uh, Arendelle, who is not with us today. And also we have, well, she has somebody represented in the second wave, and that is Annie. Where is Annie? Can, Annie's right here at the back, and she is representing Norma. We want to thank God. She's from Norma's church there, and she's doing a very great work leading the young people, leading a team of, uh, of young young people in the area of the dance and the arts and so on. So she's very, very much involved as a champion in what Norma is doing over there, and we are glad to really have her. I want you to put your hands together for Annie at this time. I, we also have Manu. Manu, who's, he's connected to Manu, and most of the times we did so many things together on that island of St. Martin. I think exactly that's the place where we got ourselves in trouble, trying to really be able to name it because it's like you have a child born 
And one of the things that you want to do is to give it a name. Every one of us felt, well, the best thing that we would do, let's just call it Caribbean Restoration. That was just the name, just it had no borders, it had no kind of, uh, well, we did not have any intention, just men and just leaders meeting together and therefore we gave it something. That caused us trouble. This was one of the things that really gave us a problem in the point of Dominica and felt like, um, well, here are people coming from England and they're trying to colonize us. They're coming, the, the time of colonization is going back and therefore that's in the mindset of religion. That's what a religious mindset come in as a barrier to really hinder what God really wanted to do. But I still want to thank God that that did not stop us in spite of the rejection that we get. Well, Jesus was rejected, and John was rejected to a certain extent in Dominica until God opened up the door through that island again where Leroy, we are partnering with Leroy there in Dominica. And I want you to put your hands together for Leroy and what God is really doing there in Dominica. I also take the time to be able to bridge the gap in different areas where I have connection. In St. Lucia, there are persons that I work with there, and they know John, and I believe in that we would be able to really have them to meet with him. Um, in Guadeloupe, we have people. Um, I think you could remember that um, Brian Centilla came in 2007, and uh, he, he's one of the persons who has, uh, 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 who has been involved, basically, in that which Lifeline is bringing. We want to thank God for that. And also there are other um, persons like uh, Telemac. Telemac was with us. He's also on that island of Guadeloupe. And I'll also introduce it to another uh, person who is related there, and we will be able to really connect with them maybe in the near future. However, God is doing so much with us, and I'm glad that I have been connected with John, and I'm a part of this network involved in seeing that which God wants to do across not just our area, but we could really expand, open ourselves with an enlargement of heart, because we really want to do what, we want to follow in what God is doing in building his work. Today, if I am going to speak to you, I would speak to you from this short time that I have on something that, that, that was what God, God allowed me to prepare, is giving. And I listened to Augusta just now when he spoke, and he was saying that he has nothing to give because maybe he thought in terms of money. But I believe the time that he spent here by giving you the opportunity to really be able to speak into his life, to share what you have, to demonstrate the love to him, he is going back with something, with a change in his heart, wanting to do something different. Giving is not just a one-way street. Giving is two ways. One of the things is when they came, they gave themselves to be trained. They gave themselves to be, to, 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 to be, to be opened, to receive what you were what you did and they are so touched by what you gave you gave them love you demonstrated love not just saying that you love but you demonstrated love and the greatest impact even in us coming for this conference is a point because John has given us an opportunity John has given us an opportunity to be here 
And we ourselves have responded by giving ourselves, taking time to be able to be here. Being here at this moment, there are persons here who are occupied doing many things, but they have taken the time to give themselves, to sacrifice them, their time, to be able to uh, respond to something that which is happening in the network, which is benefiting for everybody. The second wave is something that, that, that we are preparing for. And I'm saying to us, we have not yet received the second wave, but the second wave is going to be glorious. But we are preparing for the second wave. And how we operate from living the conference and even the Lifeline Church here, how you respond or what you do next, how you give yourself will determine what would really happen in the second wave. I want you to understand there should be an expectation that God is going to do great things among us. The first wave, David. David was a first wave preacher. He experienced a free, a, 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 a triple anointing. He operated with an anointing not in, in a limited form. And I want you to understand, we should go after God with all our heart. The Bible says that David was a man after the heart of God. A, a man who ran after God with all of his heart. One of the things that is said in the book of Psalms 119, he says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, did David have mistakes? Yes. Did David have uh, defects in his life? Yes. Did David have shortcoming? Yes. But one of the things that David did, whenever David had a mistake in his life, he did not st stay there and allow the situation to stop him. He repented, and in Psalms 51 is a clear example where he cried out to God and said, God, have mercy upon me. Forgive me for all my iniquity, blot out my transgression. In the middle of the verse of the chapter, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And the next thing he says, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto me. Notice what he's saying. My mistake that I've learned from, I'm able to use it as an opportunity to train other persons. I'm using it as an opportunity to see other lives transform. And that's what it's about for every one of us, that where we have seen in our shortcoming, where we have made mistakes, do not stay there. You may be knocked down, but you are not knocked out. Maybe you are fallen, but I want to say to you today, you don't have to stay where you are fallen. The good thing is you can get up again and you can start over again. And he is not the God of just one chance. He's not the God of just one opportunity. He's the God of many opportunities. That's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of person he is. So, so David was this first generation or first wave person. By the time came, he desired to build a house unto God. He desired to build a house where God's presence would come. And 
as he went to God, prophet came to him and says, you can't do it, David. You are a bloody man. You've had too many deaths in your life. God is looking for another person to build, and your son will do it. David says, since I cannot build a house, I'm going to prepare. David didn't say, well, God, I wanted to do so much for you. Let me forget about it. But he says, it's an opportunity for me to prepare for the other person who's going to. I'm going to be a facilitator, Lord. I'm going to be the one who's going to make it easy for the person who's going to build that they would have everything available. So he started gathering materials. He started, put, started to put things in place for the person, the son who was going to build. And the scripture says to us in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, 2 chapter 7, Solomon desired to build. And he came to the point and he said, I'm going to build. One of the things that is very, very important coming out of this conference Going out into the new wave is that the things that you have received, the things that have been given to you, the things that was enforced so that you, and I like the way that Jamie and Nathan, Avril, everybody worked to ensure that it, that we did not just have a conference where you'll come and say, wow, it was good. But there were times when we could really come back and report back. There are times where they would make sure that you are not just coming here just to, just to be entertained. But they want to know that you really caught the heart of what was happening. And that is, when you leave here and go back to your different destination, that you would be able to put it in effect. And like you would be transplanted, like Jamie says, you would be taken off from where you are where all the pots, all the, 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 the seedlings are together, but now you would be transplanted. You would be on a place where you would be able to, be, to work in the middle of those situations and to ensure that those things are implemented. And that's one of the things that is so important. That's one of the things that you need. And that next place that you will go in it is more than you anticipate. It is one where you will have to do your part, but it is one where you must expect God to do his part. And the part that I want to say to you, as you give yourself to what God has given to you, and you implement what God has given to you, expect God to show up on your behalf. Expect God to show up. So in the book of 2 Chronicles... Chapter 7, we come to a point where Solomon has finished building the temple. Solomon now is finished. And he is expecting God to show up. In chapter 7, you, he's the, the, there is one point that is so important. Let the glory fill the house. Let the glory be given to that house. Can you say that? Let the glory be given to this house. The focus here is not just for 
the glory to be upon the house that Solomon built. But I want you to understand presently, there's a new builder. The person who is now building the house for God to put his glory is Jesus Christ. And he's at this moment, he has started this building and he has called every one of us to be co-laborers with him in building this house that God would put his glory. So Solomon, he did some things before you get to chapter 7. You see, chapter 7 is where the glory is demonstrated. But before you get the glory, you have to get the building. You have to get the implementing. You have to put things in place. You have to practice those things. Put those things as important. So you need to get to chapter 2. From chapter 2, you see him understanding the mandate for him to apply and respond to the voice of God. He, heard, he had to hear God. But since God did not show up to him, he heard God through what his father, through his father. It's like the son saying, I cannot do nothing unless it is given to me of my father. Jesus could not do nothing unless he heard his father doing it. And Solomon, in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, the first thing that he did when he understood that it was in the heart of his father to build this temple for the Lord, he said, no, God, I would like to do what my father wanted to do. And the first thing he did was to seek the friends of his father. He sought for the colleagues of his father. Hiram, who was that king, that he called, and he called unto him, and he says, you were committed to my father. You were friends with my father. You have trained men who can cut logs, who cut trees, cut cedar, who could put an organization together. You worked with my father and had experience. Now I'm preparing to build a house of the Lord. I would like you to be able to, I would like to send some of my men with your men. Your men are trained men and they would, they would cut the trees for my men. And my men would work alongside them. And I would want you to give me the cost. You would cut it and we would get it transported. And Hiram in that chapter, the Bible says to us, he responded and he says, thanks be to God that my eyes have been able to see that there is a son who have risen up in the house of David, my friend, to respond to do the thing that his father had in his heart to do. I want to be a supporter of that man. That is the second wave. Solomon is the second wave. And the Bible says to us, he said to him, I will cut all the wood for you 
And I would not only put it in one location, but I would make sure I carry it, take it back to where you want me to put it. My men will work with your men, and the only thing I want you to do, no payment, just make sure you send me food. I want you to understand there's a principle there. I don't have time to go into it. Then in chapter 3, there is something else that is so important for us. It's so important for us. And I just want to just take a look, at, a look at my note a little bit. Because since I'm preaching without the scriptures. So in chapter number 2, we are seeing where he could not build unless he hear something from God. He heard the assignment from David. And the three things that in chapter 3, he had leadership capabilities. He was able to organize and put things together. He received favor from Hiram. And all that is in the name of his father, David. The fourth chapter, he had an attitude, a, a, a way in ensuring that the house is organized. Then we come to the end of this great house. In chapter 5, we see the house, there were some things still missing. It had to be sure that in, there were three types of stones in the house, in the foundation of the house. There were costly stones. There were hewn stone, and there, were, there, 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 there was a large stone. Each of those stones represents something in the foundation. But I want you to understand, even if the stones were costly, even if the stones were large, or even if the stones were hewn or smooth, yet still, in the foundation, can you tell me, can you see anything in the foundation of this house, this building where we are? Even if there's large stone, can you see them? Even if they're costly stone, can you see them? You know why? They are covered. In the foundation, you are not looking to show up what you are. There's no time to show your strength. There's no time to show your majesty. No, nothing, to, nothing majestic, nothing honorable about it. The foundation, in the foundation, you are, they were able to work behind the scene to ensure that the job is done. And like today... I listened and heard John and also Avril, and there were other persons who were complimenting those who serve. And I want to thank you also for a great job that you have done. I want you to put your hands together for that. Very great job. But in order to ensure that the delegates, those of you who have received the delegate at home, I listened to someone who was reporting back, and one of the things that he was said, I think was Kelvin, and one of the things that he was saying, he was not even giving back a reflection on, the, on, on, the, on, on what we did. He was saying, at home, I saw it. Not only was it preached, but I saw it lived. I saw the people, they not only preach it, but they practice it. And that's one of the things that you live. You are doing something behind the sin, not doing it for people to see. And even if you didn't get a thank you, that still will not stop you from serving and doing what. Why? Because you're connected to the heart of John. And that's one of the things that is so important. 
And I want you to understand that as Solomon took that time out to be able to establish that house, he had an attitude about what he did. He ensured that everything that he did was done to the glory of Almighty God. Now, now he comes to the point in chapter 6. And what he's doing there, in spite of all the efforts and the contribution, there was still something that was missing. In chapter 6, we see he prayed. He worked hard and he's laboring. Chapter 6 is the longest prayer that we have. The longest prayer. He prayed the longest prayer. That tells me that you must give yourself to prayer before you can accomplish something for God. You must get the heart and mind of God in everything that you do. Prayer should be continued. Why do you give yourself to prayer? Why? Why do you pray? Why should you come to the times of prayer in the morning? Governmental prayer. Why should you come to it? It's not praying that's the focus. Most people put praying because we can become religious in praying. But still not get into the heart of God. There's a prophet, Elijah, who proved that a nation, a whole nation, were called to a place of prayer. They prayed for an entire day. They were sincere in their prayers. They were so sincere that they caught themselves to hear God. But they were sincerely wrong. You could be sincere in prayer and still not touching the heart of God. They were praying. But they were praying without purpose. They were praying without the understanding what God wanted. Why are you giving yourself to prayer? Why should you sacrifice your bed in the morning, on a Tuesday morning, to come to Lifeline to pray? Why should you do it? If you don't have a purpose while you're doing it, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And at the end of the day, God is not going to ask you, did you pray? But why did you pray? Did you touch this child? And I listened to uh, the children workers when they explain what they do. And I saw it demonstrated here this morning while the children were sitting on the floor right here. There was one of this lady who came and she, she was telling us about the children work. And I saw her walk down right here, the children were having juice, to make sure that they were not spilling it on the floor. And there is an outlet which has electrical stuff in there. And I watched this lady look at the children and says, be careful. It is in action. Here, this person could forget and say, well, I come to worship, let me forget the children. I'll lift my hands and praise God. But with an eye lifted up to God, her heart Hannah, is still looking on the child who is on the floor. Why? Because she has given herself to serve God that way. Because God's priority is not the worship service. It is that little child who is a part of this worship. Why are we doing it? We are not doing things out of religious activities. We are doing things for one reason. And that's what I will talk to you about in chapter 7. Why are you doing it? Your prayer is a reason. Why do you pray? Why do we pray? 
Prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is giving God legal rights, legal access to come into our world, to come into our earth, to come into our situation, and to operate. Without prayer, God cannot operate. If we don't give God the invitation, God cannot come. God is illegal in the earth without an invitation. Because he gave man the right. He says when he created the world, he created everything, he gave it to man. He says be fruitful, multiply, dominate, and replenish the earth. So that means God is not the one directing or managing the earth. The person who's supposed to manage the earth is man. But when the devil came in and the fall came in, man lost the, 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 the position to dominate, to rule, to, 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 to have a, a rule in the earth. And that's why God came in the form of man, to restore to man that which man lost. Man would be able to rule again. And that's where the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God came to earth for one purpose, to give man back what he lost. Is that clear, everybody? That's the reason why. So what is prayer? Prayer is giving God the right to act in a situation. Prayer is not praying because most people come to the prayer meeting or don't come because they don't have a need. When there is a need, God don't need to answer it. Because you're only looking to him for a need, you're not looking for him because of a relationship that you have. I have a relationship with God, so I speak to God. I can speak to him on anything. So that means when there is a situation... I can say, God, Dawn has a problem. If you notice Jesus, Jesus never, Jesus never prayed the way we prayed. He never prayed the way we pray. When somebody is sick, a lame man, a blind man, Jesus never laid hands on them and prayed, Father, I'm asking you to touch his eyes. You never see that in the scripture. But what he says, he touched the eye of the man and he says, be healed. But before he prayed, long before, he took the time even before there was a need to pray. Even before there was a situation, he took it to pray. What was Solomon doing before he has finished building? He made sure all the utensils are in place. He made sure all the furniture is in place. And then he comes to the place and says, God, I'm finished. My work is finished. Chapter 6 is man's number. God, there is nothing more I can do. I'm asking you, because the house is finished, I want your blessing, I want your approval, I want your glory. So he prayed this long prayer just to get God's attention. Then comes chapter 7. In chapter 7 of the book of 2 Chronicles, we see the story starts up and it says, I want somebody to read for me if we... If we could really get that. In chapter 2, in chapter 7, verse 1. Yeah. 
Hello. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of God filled the filled the temple. Thank you. Notice is when he was finished praying. What happened? The fire came. After we have prayed, and God is approved of our prayer, something must happen. Transformation must take place. God has to cut in the situation that we cannot affect. But we are praying to him, not for him to, 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 to move his hands, but we are praying to get his heart. Prayer is giving ourselves to God that in, we would invite him in the middle of our situation because without an invitation, God cannot work. In London, in the, the projects that you have, in the businesses, for your child, in a sick condition, God cannot work without an invitation. So here we have chapter 7. When that happened, God zoomed, the fire come, the glory come. So that means, why am I praying? I'm praying for the glory. I'm praying for God's glory to be manifested in my midst. Why am I in worship? I could come here and just sing songs. But that's not what it means. Worship is not about singing songs. Some instances, there's no songs that can be sung. Sometimes there are some instances that is no. No, prayer is not something that you do when you come on a six o'clock in the morning. Prayer is something that you could, it's multitasking. Worship is multitasking. That means worship is a lifestyle. You could understand exactly where you bow into the presence of God and you recognize his presence in every given situation, whether you're walking in the house of parliament, whether you're walking in, into some supermarket, maybe at Tesco, you walk with the awareness that God is present. You, whether you are somewhere in the River Thames, doesn't matter where you are, you walk with that awareness, I'm in a place of worship because God is present. And they that worship God must worship him not in me field, but in spirit and in truth. That means wherever you are, God's presence can come. So that means your job is not to look at how hard the deterrent is, how difficult the situation, how religious the situation is, but it's to walk into that situation and invite God's presence and say, God, show your glory. Let your glory begin to operate. Let your kingdom come. Let your rule. So what is the kingdom of God? Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a woman who took a, a, a little bit of yeast and she pours it into a bowl of flour. And it begins to work its way into that dough until the whole thing is leavened. That means you're not going to really preach into that area, but you're looking for an opportunity through what is happening with the youth at the school. As the young people begin to engage, the person who is doing the work, here is Nathan doing his part. Here is um, Jamie doing his part. Here is Avril doing her part, and every person doing their part, but one is planting. The other one is watering, but the person who caused an increase 
is God. We cannot change man's heart. The only person who can change man's heart is God. But how does it start? It starts by having a relationship. All we give, give. That's what John does. John didn't come to change our church. What he come to do is to build a relationship. And in building a relationship, he touched my heart. And in touching my heart, I want to touch other person's heart. And that's what it's about, demonstration of love. What is it that we can give? There's so many things that is. And I looked at, I was so touched during the times when, we, when I saw uh, Heidi come in with this point on paced together. I'm so touched by this in the point that you just picked up one particle of China. And in that, you re- if you could really see it in the prophetic move, you're seeing a life that is broken that needed to be restored. But can you help to restore that life to bring it back? There is this story which is said while we were going to school. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's mess. And all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty together again. Is that a truth? Only Jesus and only you. Lifeline Church. And that's what she did. Show me, she showed me that all the pieces of Humpty Dumpty's Chinas could be used and placed together to create and change life of somebody. And you don't know exactly the people that you walk around might be broken pieces of China's. You don't know the person that you walk around might be. But all you need to do is to build a relationship with them and let the glory of God fill their lives. And when the glory of God fills their life, it can transform a whole generation. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's not about us. It's about him. Giving him the opportunity. I want to take that point and really close with this. Mark chapter 3, from verse 11, I hope that's where it is. And John chapter 17, verse 2. John chapter 17, verse 26. I want somebody to read it, please. I baptize you, oh, sorry, Matthew, that was. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever the evil spirit saw him. No, wait a while, wait a while, it was 14. 14, okay. I'm getting there, sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was he, he appointed 12, designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Stop. Why did he appoint or deem apostles? Why? What? Not to preach. The first thing wasn't to preach. The first thing wasn't to worship. The first thing wasn't to pray. The first thing, the first reason why he calls you that you would be with him. Why did John call us in the second wave, everybody on the second wave, why did John, 
Why are we here at this moment? The first reason is not to pour in information to us. The first reason is not that you would be able to go back with a package. The only reason why he wanted to make sure that he'd be with us. And last night, John was sick. Most of you didn't know that. He coughed all through the night. I listened because I slept in the other side of the room. So I heard him all through. And he's coughing all through the night, restless. The next morning I got up, I said, Don, how is John? She said, He's, he had a restless night. But although a restless night, John is still up, first person to hit the door to go to us, uh, to, to be with you, to be with us. At the night time, uh, when I get back home, she said, well, when he comes home, she asked, the uh, first question was, how was he at the, at, the, at the session? I said, well, he coughed a little slight, but not so much. And it's like the coughing disappeared while he was at the session. But she said, well, when he comes, I'll allow him to really take some rest. Oh, what a good wife. Put your hands together for her. Oh. Wow. She who must be obeyed had him go to bed. And at the time when we were able, when we, it was time for us to go to the, to, the, to, to the session here yesterday afternoon, we had somebody else come to transport us, but he was still asleep. But she said to me, if he feels better and he can make it, then he will make it. But even if he didn't feel better, John decided to come last night, so he was there. Why? Because he just wanted to be, he just wanted to be with us. It goes both ways. Why? The reason why I have friends that I've invited to be with me, to be with the Lifeline Church, to be with us. Oh, what a privilege it is to be together. And that's all it's about, to be together. It's not so much information, but our lives are transformed just being together. That's the first reason. The next chapter. The next chapter that I ask you to read is John 17, verse 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. That he might give eternal life to all those, stay there, to all those that you have given him. That you have given him. Verse 26. Verse 26. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Mm -hmm. And then continue. It, that's where it ends. It ends there? Yeah. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. This righteous father... Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. Mm-hmm. And I have done what? And I have made known to them and will continue to make you known in, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. That's what is so important. Thank you. I would like to give you an assignment to read the entire chapter of chapter 17. One of the things that he says, Father, I've finished the work that you give me to do. And I've lost nobody. 
except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Father, glorify your son with the same glory that we had with you. And I wish that all those you have given me may be with me, that they would be able to partake in the same glory. Can you say that? Let the glory fill his house. Not this, not the one of Solomon. The one of Solomon got glory and it died. But what Jesus wants to give us is an eternal glory. He wants us to share in that eternal glory. But what is the job presently? I'll conclude by saying, Solomon had to look to put certain stones in the foundation, and John is one of them. The type. Stones, natural stone, because God does not build with materials made by man's hand. So God does not work with bricks. Why? All the bricks look alike. All the bricks have the same dimension. Stones don't have the same dimension. Natural stone don't have the same dimension. They are God made. All right? But when Jesus wanted to build... The son that God wanted to build the temple, Jesus, he only come about to build that temple and he, it was never prophesied that he would build it. In fact, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the scripture says, his name shall be called Jesus for he shall save the people from their sins. So the first responsibility of Jesus is salvation. But notice that's what the scripture talk about, to save. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13 to 19, Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Jeremiah and some other prophets. He said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. From since Peter declared that, Jesus said upon this testimony, upon this revelation, that was not given by BBC, this revelation that was not given by CNN, this revelation that was not given by the theologians of the day, I will build my church... And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Jesus never speak about what his mission was. Not until somebody in the earth got a revelation of who he was. Today, in closing, who is Jesus to you? Do you know him? Have you connected to him? What has he given to you to do? First, to be able to share his love to others. God so loved the world. He gave. Today, will you give that love to somebody, regardless to their color, their religion, their creed, regardless to where they're from, their nationality? Are you willing to come and piss yourself with that person who says, there is something that he did in my life that I want you to receive? Today, Augusto, you have something you give John. You could show him when you go to your nation. The things that you've received here, you could come back and say to him, 
I bring a bouquet of people, not flowers. You bring a bouquet of people and say, John, based on the time that I spend at Lifeline Church, here are a bouquet of people that I was able to demonstrate what I received. I demonstrated to them. It's time for us to put up the bouquet of flowers of men and women wherever we are to ensure that we build the temple for the glory to fill the house. God bless you.